Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, 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 and welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. And this is episode 281 of your favorite short-term, mid-term, long-term rental podcast, Share Economy podcast in the world, coming at you from Fort Worth in Arlington, Texas. Micah couldn't make it tonight, but we have the famous, the world famous, the Mac Daddy, the OG, Mike Brown joining us, man. How you doing, Mike Brown? Doing good, doing good, man. Uh, glad to be here. Um, always enjoy, you know, sharing with you guys and and learning about things that's going on in the industry. Uh, you know, we're both in the industry, so we we see all the things that's going on. Uh, but doing, but doing good. Um, I'll say one of the biggest things since the last time maybe I've been on the show is uh, with my newborn, my daughter. Uh, you know, I'm a, as a new dad, I've been very, very busy. So uh, it's glad to I'm glad to just you know, have the opportunity to take a step back and uh, kind of kind of join you guys. So, sorry, Michael couldn't make it, but yeah, man, um, a new dad. That's that's a, that's big time, man. I, I'll I'll tell you real quick. We're gonna cover a lot of topics today, including the Dallas uh, Airbnb uh, short term rental ban injunction that just took place. We're gonna go over that, but but real uh, quick quick speaking on on um, being a dad. Because I got little ones, you know, I have a four-year-old and a and a six-year-old, and both of them in school. The, the six-year-olds in in first grade, the four-year-olds in early education, and it's so cool because, like, you know, no matter how bad a day you're having, you know, and, and the, being an entrepreneur ain't easy, man. It ain't. I mean, y'all listeners out there, me and Mike Brown can vouch for, it, especially if you still got a full-time job and you're an entrepreneur. You know, it it gets it's it's like you're working two jobs, but more because being an entrepreneur. It isn't a clock in, clock out type of job. So, so you got all this, and you got a family. You got all the, you know, family obligations. You got wife and kids, and you keep everybody happy, right? You got to try. Uh, but like, um, we went. I took a few days off from the from the day job, and I could do that. It's flexible. And, and so today, um, I went. You know, walked. I got to walk my my six year old uh, Lucy to school, which is awesome. She loves it when I walk her to school. And then um, later on, we went to pick up um, Abby, my four-year-old, from early education. And so she she wasn't expecting to see me on a, on a Wednesday, right? And so she saw as so she goes, uh, they come out of the class, and and she goes and runs to Mama first, and then she sees me, and she's like, "Daddy!" And she runs and like runs at me full speed. One of those good surprises. Yeah, that just squeezes me, man, and this. No matter how much, how bad a day you're having or what you're going through, man, nothing feels better than that. It just it'll just like ah, oh, this is this is what life's all about. This is why we're doing all this, you know, delayed gratification while we're busting our humps now, just to, you know, get to that point. And if you can get to that point a little quicker and start and start getting those moments in and and being able to you know drop her off and pick her up kind of deal, you know, instead of being stuck in at the grind at the nine to five. Um, you know, cause that's the cool thing about being an entrepreneur. You, you can get, you can escape for these moments and you can still, you know, go back and, and hit, hit the grind a little bit, but, um, that's why we're doing it. You know, I'm happy to have another dad on the show that understands and, um, yeah, man, let's, let's dive into it. Let's dive into it. Let's start off with the Dallas ban injunction. Um, I think, uh, Micah sent us that news today. And then, so of course we Googled it, verified 
And apparently there, um, you know, there's a lawsuit against the city of Dallas for them trying to ban Airbnbs, short-term rentals, you know, in certain areas and hundred percent in single family homes. And, and now it was supposed to go into effect December 12th, I, I believe, uh, 13th. Okay. 14th. Yeah. Okay, one of those. A couple days, days away. We're, a few yeah. days away. We're we're on December six right now. If you're listening to this in 2023, so it's like six, seven days away, whatever. And a lot of people have been fire selling, dumping furniture, throwing it on the curb, whatever. Getting you know, handing in the leases to the to the apartment complexes or just whatever bailing, because they're just you know shitting bricks. But but then all of a sudden we got the news today like I said, about a week away before this thing happens, that there's an injunction. And so, yeah, the, the judge granted an injunction and it's going to be, um, they, can't, they so they won't be able to force enforce the new ban or regulations until January, uh, I'm sorry, Ju- uh, June of 2024. So that gives us, uh, you know, operators a good six months <clears throat> to figure out what we're going to do and continue to operate and um that's big news man big news what do you think yeah i mean um you know we we self-manage uh some of our own properties as well as manage others um and you know the majority of the ones that we manage um were basically on the chopping block um for this particular regulation right uh they were single family homes you know they were in single family zoned areas and so um, to your point, you know, a lot of people have been, you know, selling furniture and just getting out of the, out of the game because they were unsure what was going to happen. Uh, maybe a lot of people didn't have faith in what Dallas STRA was doing. Um, and, and, or they just didn't want to have to deal with it anymore because you got to remember, uh, this is twofold, right. In terms of the people that are getting out of the industry right now, this is, you know, people that have, fear of an uncertain future to be able to operate because of the regulations. But then you also have those people, whether they've been operating for six months, a year, or maybe even longer than a year, um, that have started to see these profits erode away, right? You know, we've all heard of the you know, term Airbnb bust and saturation and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it, to varying, it all varies in varying degrees from market to market, right? It's going to be some markets that have it worse than others. Um, so, for example, Austin, I mean, it's pretty bad in Austin. Um, fortunately, they are a regulated market, so it does limit or minimize, like, the huge influx of people just jumping in, right? Because uh, right now, there's no barrier to entry. I can go list something tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as I have an address and a furnished property kind of thing. Um, and so, you know, you have two different things. And, yeah, I've been seeing a lot of people whether it's on Facebook and other areas, you know, selling furniture like crazy. Uh, I literally just had somebody text me before this call um, saying, hey, I have a, it was actually a really interesting message. Uh, Hey, I have a a two bedroom, two bath. Um, Somebody's, and it's an arbitrage. Somebody's in there for a year. It's furnished. They're paying rent, but they want to get out. They want to, they want to do a lease takeover. I don't know how many months are left, but it's like, hmm, why would somebody want to do that? They're, they're paying you money. It may not be what you want because, you know, typically for, uh, you know, monthly stays, you're doing a discount, right? Compared mm-hmm. to short, shorter stays. I know what you mean, man. Cause like, 
I went through that with um, some partners in Houston recently. And actually, um, last weekend, had to make a little trip to Houston to go help unload, <laughs> to help unpack, a, a, you know, get all the furniture out of one of these three-story freaking townhomes, you know, the the gentrification yeah. specials that are popping up in the in a hood near you. Um, so <clears throat> I had to get you all the got on your knees on that one, man. Yeah. <laughs> man. So the first, so we had two of them and this is when, I mean, it's, it, uh, you know, we're, we're semi youngsters. The old, the oldsters probably done told us, uh, you know, businesses come go in cycles. Everything goes in cycles. Right. But we're like, when everything's going up, we're like, Oh crap, let's load up. Let's get anything we can, blah, blah, blah. Oh, opportunities. They're going to let us do short-term rentals. Let's get them. Let's grab. Yeah. Let's grab two and furnish them right, but right beside each other. Perfect. And that's what we did in Houston. These two um, townhomes, right? Like I said, there's uh, gentrification specials, three story townhomes, and we furnished them all pretty, got them uh, on uh, Airbnb and all that. And um, I started out doing okay. And then Houston just, just, went under man from the saturation too many people got on the boat that just started sinking and so um we we didn't even well we were getting out of we we respected our lease we stayed there we probably broke even the whole time maybe paid for the furniture i don't know and and we're we're bouncing you know and we got the first unit we got we were able to sell all that people come people came and pick, picked it all up and and, and bought it whatever the second unit, you know, we had to market way down to like five grand each unit where we spent probably like 15 on each unit. You know what I'm saying? We're just trying to get whatever we could. We just want to get rid of it. Is that the just next, a year? Yeah, just a year lease. Yeah. And so the next the next uh, unit, we were able to sell that one too. Uh, we might have done an 18-month lease. Anyways, we were able to sell the, that one too, but the girl who's going to buy it couldn't, like, we were unloading on a Saturday. She wasn't going to be able to pick it up to like a Friday. So we had to go put her in another spot and then she was going to go pick it up on Friday. So it was, um, I was cursing out. I was like, what are we, why am I arbitraging? Arbitrage sucks. You have to get rid of all this furniture. You got to do something with the furniture and everybody's going to be fickle and not want to pay you anything for it. And then they're going to want you to deliver it to them. They're going to want you to take it apart. They want you to inventory it. They want all this crap. Right. And, uh, I'm, I'm like, arbitrage man just ain't worth it no more and i was just thinking that in my head right and i, I want to know your thoughts on on you know mike always he he says you know just oh it's better to buy you know yeah but you know that, that costs a lot of money to buy a house and stuff you know uh, but but what what are your thoughts on is arbitrage still a viable way to to make money and you know is it worth the headaches of dealing with all that furniture and stuff that's a good point. Um, so it depends on what market you're in. Um, and even on top of that, it, it, it depends. I think there was a conversation um, from a, a post that Sean had recently uh, around being able to make the deal happen on the front end. So, you know, and I know that may not always be possible, especially if you're picking up, you know, one single family home here, one single family home there. Uh, I think where the biggest opportunity for those that are already doing it uh, and are those that want to do it in certain markets uh, is in multifamily. Because we've all seen, you know, in many cases from a lot of these cities, they're really targeting single family homes at the end of the day uh, in residential neighborhoods for not wanting short term rentals uh, because of, you know, the families that live there, the 
you know, I'm not saying all of the claims are valid because there's clearly been lots of research um, and articles and, and, and things done on the housing market and its impact or lack thereof from short-term rentals. Um, Cause you know, that's one of the biggest claims that they have is, you know, they're bringing down home values. Um, they're um, messing up affordable housing and things of that nature, uh, which is all not true. Um, if, if we can, I'd love to post some of the links to, to those, those studies that have been done in, in various cities throughout the U S uh, that, demystifies and debunks that that theory that many people have but you know at the end of the day they try to use short-term rentals as a scapegoat right uh to get what they want uh they want these people out um you know they don't want random people in their neighborhoods uh that they don't know about um and things of that nature but to go back to your question um it depends on on your market and depends on how you got in for a lot of people that got in and it's quite a few, I can't remember what the metrics are, but uh, there's been exponential growth in the past, you know, 12 to 24 months within the short-term rental industry. Um, I think the percentages were like 3X, um, or not 3X, like in the hundreds, like in terms of the multiplier of the amount of short-term rentals that have come on online uh, all over the US. And so for those that uh, have gotten in recently, they have paid at the high market, uh, high price point for rent, right? Because rents have continued to go up. Uh, let's just say if there were individuals that purchased even the same same boat uh, or even rented and did a multi-year lease, let's just say back in 2000 or 2019, um, they paid a much lower rate. So therefore, they have much more margin to work with as opposed to those uh, you know, that are written one bedroom apartments now for two grand kind of thing, right? Yeah. Um, as opposed to someone else that's renting an apartment, you know, similar value, similar class, you know, class A or even class B property, you know, for 1400, even 1300 and some change a month. That's a big spread, right? Oh, yeah. uh, and that's even before all of the other expenses that, you know, are incurred with, you know, owning or not owning, uh, operating a short-term rental, uh, especially if you want to do it right. Um, and we're talking about, you know, insurance, we're talking about the noise monitoring system, the smart locks, all this other stuff, uh, which people, you know, for, for various reasons, you know, don't do those kinds of things. And, you know, at the end of the day, every operator is different because their risk tolerance is different. Um, now, some of that risk tolerance is based on ignorance <laughs> and then, for others, it's based on just previous knowledge uh, that they've learned from other mentors, people like you guys and all the knowledge that you drop on all these episodes. And so it really, it comes down to, you know, where you're operating and how you started your operation. Because if you were able to get in a great deal, multi-year lease and a lower rent rate, um, then you're going to be able to survive much, much longer and have much more margin and spread than others. Uh, it also comes down to all these other things, strategies, amenities, so on and so forth, um, as well as value and design. Uh, we, st I still see people putting up cookie cutter places in this market, and you can't, you can't do that. Um, now, I'm not saying it needs to be lux for every single property you have, but, um, and I think it also goes without saying if you're gonna try to do multiple doors, you probably should diversify. Uh, so it's meaning not putting all your eggs in one basket. Whether that's the same market uh, or a different market or different built 
uh, building typology. So with a single family townhome. So all those are differentiators, right? Um, so one of the things we do is, you know, have a diversification of our properties. So we have some that are midterm, some that are short term. Uh, we've been started doing long term now um, as well um, for other for other folks. And so it, it just really boils down to diversification and, and just kind of strategy. Um, I've probably seen great people in bad markets, also bad people in bad markets. Um, and usually the differentiator or one of those three things that I just mentioned. Um, so, hmm. yeah, it's, it's funny. You should say, um, you know, diversification because I, I am, you know, my company are Reynolds, you know, shameless plug. Uh, we, we're we're very we're we're very diversified. Anything from one bedroom uh, condos in the or apartments, condos, whatever, in downtown and uh, grittier areas to um, four bedroom houses in in the suburbs. You know, we go we we run the spectrum, the gambit. And and um and right when you said that, I was like, man, my my three and four bedroom houses, I love them so much, especially where I'm at, and I just get those nice beefy freaking um what's it called the 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 insurance stays and mostly insurance stays and then i'll fill in the gaps with like some good you know four or five night stays from people paying you know hot top dollar for these places yeah. but that could always come to an end when you know everybody starts starting them up in a certain city where they allow that you know on in houses and then the the neighbors could come out with pitchforks and that that dream could end and then it could go back to like no keep that shit in the in the apartments in the in the urban areas in the in the downtowns and then well luckily we have places there too so um and another 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 funny story not not really a funny story but we got uh one of our places that we put on zillow one of our houses speaking of the four bedroom um uh, we have it on zillow for like 5000 a month and um it's really it's three three bedrooms in an office but it could be converted into a bed fourth bedroom but you know it's flexible and and i like the flexibility so um we got hit up by a crs you know one of the corporate housing providers and they needed they needed you know have a family construction in the house they need a place now <laughs> they always want it right now right and, and um move it they would they wanted to move in as soon as possible we had someone leaving on the 11th you know right now like i said it's around the sixth or seventh right now um but anyways um we had another like a nice size booking like a 15 day booking for a high price coming in after that they're gonna go take it was gonna take them through the holidays into the new years and i was like man i, I just can't you know, if it's a one day, one day out booking somewhere and it's and it's jamming you up for like a three month, you know, $20,000 stay, you know, you know, sorry, we, we we could put those one one day people somewhere else, maybe. But this was a this was a big stay for nice, nice chunk of money. Plus, it was going to ruin their holidays that we need to say, you know, flood the house is flooded. You can't come in. Um. <laughs> well, so, well, you just mentioned something there. So. Um, not saying that everybody needs to be the biggest, the baddest, you know, portfolio and so on and so forth is, you know, operating, I don't say operating, well, operating with, with the, with the sense or elements of a hotel, right? So if you have a larger portfolio, you know, you have, I mean, I think you said this before in a previous episode, it's like you have the potential to play Jenga, right? Yeah. Uh, because you can move people around. 
if they're in the markets that are cities that are close enough to where they need to be mm-hmm. uh, and capitalize on those opportunities. And it won't be a lost opportunity in that case. And right. or the other scenario is be well connected with other operators like me, you, Micah, and others in the industry, whether it's local in your city, extended, uh, to refer that out to somebody else that you then trust. And now, obviously, you may not make all the profit on that, but you could still potentially charge a commission, mm-hmm. right? Because that's a referral for them. Um, you know, I actually had a, a really good, you know, um, social media post earlier today where somebody was c- kind of confused on, you know, midterm rental marketing and just marketing in general with short-term rentals. And, you know, one of the biggest factors that people discount, um, and it's it's easier than any other marketing strategy out there by far, is referrals. Mm-hmm. Nobody referrals do, does referrals to other people or very few people. And the ones that do start to cultivate that community um you know you know we have our whatsapp group and all the other groups and chats and all that kind of stuff granted you, you could be like some other folks and just post it out there and say hey i need somebody for a two-bedroom two pets blah 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 but then you're just throwing them to the wolves right you know you don't have any idea of if the are, are, are these people providing quality housing are they slum lords and at that point you referring them to the to, to those individuals, if something happens that's pretty bad, it's gonna come back on you. Mm. And that's your reputation, that's your company, and so on and so forth. But nobody thinks about that, right? Because nobody's, or very few people are running it as a as a business mm. to where that, that would matter. Uh, so I think that's a, a huge, huge thing that pe- people are missing out on is the referral piece of it. Yeah, we got a huge, um, speaking of huge, a <laughs> huge, referral database and we were able to uh find someone that we that we work with in the same area like the same like a few blocks away um because i i tried every scenario and um i have a long to all, all it's, you know all the houses are booked up for christmas we did have one coming available right on the 21st which was was doable but that we you know they've been there <laughs> they've been there for like like eight or nine months man so i'm i don't know oh. It's gonna need some good deep cleaning. I don't know, you know. <laughs> I yeah, I don't know what I'm gonna step into when, when they finally leave. So I was like, that's not gonna work. Um, so, anyways, I was able to like use, like you said, the referrals, gonna pass it on to someone else, get a little little kickback for us, you know what I'm saying? And um, and and so but, but the what I was gonna get to besides that was um the CRS. I said, um, well, do y'all prefer Furnished or unfurnished? Because I'm hearing these things out here, like ALE goes 100% unfurnished now. And and then um, you guys, I know you guys love unfurnished. Um, So what do y'all, it goes, well, she said, well, this is a two-month stay. But, you know, she says probably going to be longer, but it's at least two months. So we consider that super short. So we can't really, it's not worth it for us to do an unfurnished. We're going to do a furnished one. And um, because we got to pay ourselves out of pocket, you know, three thousand dollars to rent this furniture right mm-hmm. and, and put it in place she says like insurance companies love it because they get like a total inventory of that, that was something i learned too she was she was like uh, you know showing me the behind the curtain a little bit she goes insurance companies love it when we furnish something because they get like an exact inventory of everything that's going to be in the place in case something happens whatever um instead of one of us, one of our us operators, you know, going and saying, "Hey, y'all broke my, you know, uh, Mona Lisa. You owe me a million dollars." Oh, I see and, what you mean. And, and, and so, you know, uh, yeah. 
go ahead. Sorry. Right. That, 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 that was kind of eye opening. I'm just saying that, that that's the reason they like to do. Uh, they like to handle with unfurnished. So they'll know exactly what's going into the place for this family and what's coming out. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Um, you know, I, I have not seen them require it, although it is best practice because people do this on the long-term mental side is to do the walkthrough checklist form, right? Where you have them submitted and say, Hey, what's the condition of X, Y, Z, blah, blah, blah. If they want to take pictures, blah, blah, if you want to take video, and um, I mean, we we have our team do this before they arrive anyway. Uh, but just so everybody is clear, I mean, you can have them fill out that form too, right? Um, so if, if and if there's like I don't know a hole in the wall or a dent on something, you know, it's noted so that at the end they you, you can't come back and say, hey, they put this dent here, because otherwise it's your word against theirs. And unfortunately, and I'm sure there's probably been scenarios where they have gotten in trouble or there's been you know some friction between the people that are staying there and the homeowner whoever's running out that place not wanting to give back their whole deposit because of you know frivolous frivolous things right so um and this is also another reason for anybody that's out there when it comes to doing these types of stays that with midterms insurance clients is typically you know they're having to pay out of pocket for this security deposit, the family. Mm. Uh, in many cases, people may not have that to give or it may put strain on them, right? Mm. And so they may potentially pass on your property, even though the, the, the monthly rate is fine with the insurance company, they approved it, it's good. Uh, but if the security deposit is too much, they may pass on your property to go to another. Because mm. I've heard of that happening before as well. Because you've got these people out there that have these, I mean, they're great properties. I get it. You know, 3,000 square foot, five bedroom house, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, they want $3,000. I mean, if you were doing a 12 month long renter, you'd probably do something like that. But for something like this, where, and I'm not saying, you know, every family that you get from these insurance companies are, are not going to damage anything or whatnot. Obviously, you know, it's based on your risk tolerance, your so, so on and so forth. But that's why we always say, one, require them to have renter's insurance, which you should be doing anyway, by the way. Um, but typically, if they're coming from a home, they have homeowner's insurance, so they can provide that. But the other piece, too, is, you know, by default, even for the short-term stays, you, you probably should get some type of damage protection um, insurance or a plan or whatnot to have on the property anyway. Um, so I know one of the ones that we work with, I don't know if I can say it on here, but they basically charge you a uh, a rate per reservation that you have. And they can do these longer ones as well. You just have to split it up multiple times uh, every 30 days. Uh, and it basically covers you. Uh, I think their highest coverage is up to $10,000 of damage. Hmm, nice. So you could technically, and it's no um, no deductible, by the way. Is it Super Hog? It's not Super Hog, no. Who is it? Go ahead and say Okay. I can say it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, is Wavo. W-A-V-O? So, uh, yeah. Uh, W-A-I-V-O. Yeah. Wavo. Cool. And so um, what that does is that, that you know, takes the stress off. Now, I'm not saying you don't do a security deposit at all because that's, you know, you don't want to do that because at that point you have no leverage at all and people are just going to do whatever they want to do, right? Hmm. 
but still have some sense of control in, of the situation uh, in terms of what they need to make sure that they maintain so they can get it back, right? Hmm. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, you submit a claim like you would with Airbnb, as long as you have the documentation, uh, which if you got your cleaners doing, you know, timestamp photos and getting damaged and all that kind of stuff, getting your invoices, all that, it's pretty simple. Uh, we've done a couple claims with them already that have been paid out and hasn't been an issue. Um, obviously, the higher coverage you get, you know, the more that flat rate is per reservation. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a it's a great peace of mind because uh, one of our properties we managed, we had a $3,000 couch that was messed up. Oh, and you know, clearly we didn't get that money from Airbnb and we were able to get a good portion of that from Weibo. Uh, so things like that. Um, so how much it, is like 10,000 of coverage costs? Uh, I have to look at the tiers, but I know for the coverage we have on the $1,500 is 20, 21 bucks per reservation. And I think the next tier of 3000 is like 29 right at 30 something. So yeah, Let's it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not that expensive at all. Um, so you're paying it, that it definitely, but you're, and, and then you're also getting a deposit from the people coming in. Correct. Oh, nice. So that way you can afford, uh, you know, you could risk asking for less of a deposit, like a thousand dollar deposit or something like that. Exactly. Or 500. Want to do that? Hmm. <laughs> undercutting undercutting all of us mike brown i mean i mean think about it like <laughs> this is why i said in terms of being able to, to differentiate and act like the big guys right because this is no different than what the apartment complexes do right how are they able to not charge you first month's rent if you got a two two bedroom apartment that's twenty three hundred dollars that security deposit is not twenty three hundred dollars right it's right. like maybe three hundred or four hundred if even that mm -hmm. but also, I will say it, they do base it on credit score and all that kind of stuff. So it could be more, but nine times out of 10, if you got an 800 credit score and you go rent a single family home, they don't care about your credit score. They're going to make you still do first month's deposit, right? But with right. an apartment, they can scale that down one because it's, it's, it's minim, minimal risk. They do have some type of coverage already built in, right? In their, their complex for, for all of this stuff. So yeah, I mean you you gotta you gotta use the same or similar tools like the big guys um, to really be able to to stand out in the market and yeah. I would say that um, you know from what CRS told me, it would be good to have a an inventory sheet handy, right, of everything that's in your house, if that's what insurance companies are concerned with. You know, they don't want you know a twenty thousand dollar plasma TV. <laughs> Is that even a thing? plasma tv <laughs> yeah or you know and it's super expensive tv they're like oh crap if those people break that thing you know that's gonna really hurt no no don't worry we got roku's bro look on the sheet we, we got roku's they're like 200 bucks a piece they, they're not very expensive so <laughs> feel free to let them stay here uh <laughs> i'm just saying we're, we're trying to think like them right try to think like the insurance companies yeah you're right you're right um yeah and and, and you, you know to your point it's good to just talk to them. I mean, they're human beings just like everyone else, right? So you mentioned, you know, how you were able to talk to them and kind of get some of that information. Uh, and it's not, you know, deceitful or anything, but, you know, and they may be able to share some of those insights and that's going to help you be a better operator for that next inquiry that comes in, right? That's mm -hmm. insight that maybe no one else has. Um, 
And um, yeah, so I, I would highly, highly recommend people, you know, just getting to know and reaching out and having some type of touch basis with those people that reach out. Like I'm sure you have at this point, and I know we do as well, um, like a whole list of all of the reps that we've gotten inquiries from and we reach out to them on a normal basis. Um, you know, we send them gifts on holidays, all, all that stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, think about it. this is a business, just not a, a one-way transaction kind of thing. Um, so, you know, all those kinds of things. And, um, you know, there's this uh, YouTube video that came out the other day that I, I want to talk about at some point. Uh, that talked about, it's like, it's called 101 Marketing Strategies for Any Business. Can you imagine having 101 marketing strategies for your STR? <laughs> um, but but this is but you you're laughing. This this is this is what I'm talking about, man. Like people only think about the simple things, right? They just list it, and they 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 they, they literally give all the power to the OTAs and and Airbnb to do the marketing for them. That's not how real business works, right? right. I don't open up a pizza stand on the corner and say, hey. Now, in that scenario, you do you literally have a product that everyone can see, right? That's driving by, you know, unlike a little single family home and whatever. Um, but in that scenario, you don't just rely on the building being there to make money, right? There's all these other things that that business is going to do to try and drive traffic there, right? So anyway, um, I'd love to talk more about that in another episode because... Um, you know, I've been I've been considering making a, a YouTube video to dissect like that from a short term rental perspective. So. You know, you know, real quick about um, like you said, in marketing, um, you know, on on Airbnb, we have our logo there. We are just rentals. We have our logo. It clearly states that. And then you go down to description and, it's in, and our first line is, you know, hosted by are just rentals. The best in corporate stays or whatever we put our tagline, you know, and, and I'm like, and still I'm like, we don't get a million emails from people that are booking through Airbnb. I don't understand it. Mike Brown. Why aren't they, they can see it's right there. We're, we're not a hard one. We're not super cozy, comfy stays where you can never find. There's like a billion of those, right? We are Argus rentals. We're easy to find. Just look Google Argus rentals. We're going to be the first ones to show up. We're going to be the first website to show up. Argusrentals.com. I mean, it's right freaking there in the logo, but people aren't pounding our doors down to direct book to direct stay with us. I don't understand it, Mike Brown. Yeah, it's one of those. Um, it's one of those things, and it's it's always going to be it's always going to be tough until it really gets to a critical point, which I don't think it, it will, just because they have too too much market share, uh, too mo- too much trust and stickiness, right? Um, so we always talk about you know, obviously as humans, we are creatures of habit and we put our trust in things that have been vetted like Airbnb, VRBO, because they have you know, this big company behind them. They know they have support when something goes wrong. Um, they know that they won't be scammed. Um, you know, they're a public company, all these other things, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I could ask you a question. I could say, if I were, well, this is even different because if I were to recommend it, you 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 already have the pre-approval from me because I bet it. But if you were to just randomly find or stumble across, which you, you wouldn't do that for a short-term rental, right? You wouldn't stumble across Argus Rentals. I mean, maybe if you went to Google and looked up short-term rentals. Um, uh, if I were to ask you where you buy your toilet paper from, 
and then say, hey, would you want to buy it from this new company that just came out? It's called Toilet Paper Co. Mm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, no, no, no. You, you're laughing, but that's literally what, like, in less than like a millisecond, what crosses through people's minds when they come to the idea that, oh, okay, I need to find a place to stay because I'm going to this event or whatever. I'm going to see family in this city. Hmm. I could do a hotel. But you also have to think about the avatars, right? So typically, the people that are not going to do a hotel are likely going to be families, and especially larger families or groups, because they have to get multiple hotel rooms. They're not going to be together in the same space. Um, granted, yeah, you can throw in the fact, hey, they're not going to have a kitchen and whatnot. But depending on what they're doing, they may or may not even use that kitchen to its capacity to make a difference anyway. Um, and people with pets, because a lot of hotels don't allow pets or they charge you know, outrageous rates to have to bring pets. Um, so those are going to be the two biggest factors. But uh, it's, it's all, it all comes down to trust. They don't know who your company is. Yes, you have a website, uh, but they don't know that you're not going to scam them. Uh, they, they don't know if you have support. You know, a lot of people, unfortunately, have been scammed, you know, from stuff like this. So it kind of put has put a bad taste in you know, people's mouth and people talk about that and so on and so forth. But it, at the end of the day, it just comes down to trust. Uh, because to, to your very point, we had someone that I can, I can remember. And, and, and even if you put the, the data in front of them, right? It's like, hey, this is going to be your rate if you book on Airbnb. This is going to be your rate if you book with us. We had someone that was going to stay for 30 days. They actually called us first and said, hey, because they, they, they were a little bit more savvy, right? They saw you know, the logo or the name, they said, hey, let me just call them and see. So, hey, I saw your listing on Airbnb. We want to go ahead and book direct with you. Uh, I want to know how much that was going to be, blah, blah, blah. Found out they'd saved like, I don't know, $700 or $800 over the course of the stay. Um, and then when it came down to signing the rental agreement, you know, which is basically a copy of our house rules that, that they already agreed to on Airbnb, right? They said, oh, you know, we don't feel comfortable signing this or whatever. <laughs> I'm like, you're agreeing to this already on Airbnb, which that goes to show you how much people don't read and they just click the consent or whatever and all that kind of stuff. And so they did not book with us direct, but they booked through us through Airbnb for the exact same place and paid $800 more. That's that's how strong trust and uh vetting is and and brand recognition everything else right that is is super strong man and then you got the stickiness of the app and the desktop it looks sexy with all the you know colorful stuff and everything um uh, and it's just seamless right um so i think that's one of the biggest hurdles that the short-term rental industry from a direct booking standpoint has to overcome um i would say it's 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 even worse in urban suburban markets, uh, just based on the avatar, uh, compared to uh, destination vaca vacation rental markets, right? And what I mean by that is, if somebody's going to like a beach town or the mountains or whatever, um, you know, those existed before Airbnb existed, right? So direct booking—that's like that's their thing. So that's more normalized for that type of vacation rental as opposed to what everybody else has been putting up for the past you know two years two three years 
you know, in urban suburban markets, right? Yeah. Um, so that that's the big inertia that people have to overcome and big hurdle with it, with their ears. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> you bring up some good points. And, and I guess we can't, we can't see, we can't see everything like how we see it through our own eyes. We got to see it, how other people look at it because since, since the beginning of Airbnb, if I saw a place on Airbnb and it said hosted by Susan rentals, you know, I'm going to look up Susan rentals and I'm going to go call her directly. Hey, what's going on? I can get a discount of a book just through you. I can send you the money and you could block the dates and stuff. I just, I always look for a discount. And then of course, when it said hosted by Vacasa, that's, they started hosting a bunch of these Airbnbs, what, you know, back in the day. And, and now I'd go straight to Vacasa and I was like, Oh, the price is cheaper on Vacasa. You know, to me, I was like, it just made perfect sense to go, you know, comb the web for the, the cheapest price. But, but I guess you're right. Most people are, are afraid to, to venture out and, and get get out of the safety of, of Airbnb, especially people who've probably gotten a lot of free stays and try to get, will try to get a free stay from us. That part right there. <laughs> that part. They know that they can't play you if they do it direct. <laughs> oh man. That's yeah. I mean, you're right. Um, unfortunately, yeah, there's people that, you know, try to scam hosts too. So, um, you know, it's hard, much harder to do that because I don't know about you guys, but, for us, any direct bookings, we take a security deposit. Um, it's just a, a, a standard protocol. I mean, obviously, we don't do that. And m many hosts don't do that um, on the platforms because it, it brings you down in rankings, right? And people typically don't want to pay a security deposit, even if it's just a hold, right? Because hmm. um, you'd be surprised in many cases the people that book these, whether it's a group or an individual on behalf of a group, um, you know, this may be at the top of their budget or even already over their budget. So to do a security deposit on top of that, I mean, it's just, it's, it's all, it can be a lot for, for people. Because um, you got to think about this too. Now, I'm not saying that this is the, this is the majority of the avatars or people that are booking, but just historically, based on data and statistics, you know, it may have fluctuated a little bit with inflation and what's going on in the economy right now, but anywhere between 70 and 75% of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck, right? Mm. So let's just say, you know, we, we, we assume that the remainder of the 25% aren't all just, you know, traveling, right? Or going places and, and doing things because people travel for the holidays. People are going to do what they want to do, even if that means putting on a credit card or whatever else, right? Mm. To make it happen. To, to extend and stretch the dollar. And so when you think about that, it's like, man, you know, doing anything above and beyond that's not necessary, like a security deposit, can really put you out of the running if people are comparing two places side by side that are super similar, right? Uh, at least on the OTA. Uh, and in the case of doing it off-platform versus on-platform, you don't have it, that could make a differentiator as well. Um, because I don't know if you noticed, I don't know how if you if you've, you've rented on Airbnb recently, but you know they offer an installment plan now for stays. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I knew that. Okay. That's been for a while, though. It has been. Okay, all right. I knew it was for longer stays, but I I, I, uh, I booked one night not too long ago for a place, and they will do a four-month installment plan for a one-night stay. <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> it, was only, it was only like $200, to, to book the place. And 
I was like, why would somebody do that? That's wild. Um, but anyway, um, you know, we talked about the the other, you know, payment processor or whatever that allows you to do that. Um, so we talked about differentiating. You could offer that product to a guest. You remember I, I told you about yeah, that? You to could pay offer it, that to, to pay it. Yeah, yeah. To pay it. Uh, to a guest that maybe is having some issues doing everything up front or so on and so forth. Uh, and you know, on VRBO, that's a strategy because you can opt into that, right? You can do half now, half, you know, so many days before they arrive. Mm -hmm. um, it's unfortunate that Airbnb doesn't do that, but I know why. Um, it's because they want all their money, you know, then, right? And they want to hold it, not give you interest for holding your money and then give you your money after they. Anyway, I, th so. I thought they did let you do that. I thought they let you do two payments. I think I've done that before. Uh, they let you do it um, automatically. They, I'm talking about opting in to receiving the money. I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, opting in to doing your own custom, right? Oh, oh, okay. So they do that automatically for all yeah, hosts, yeah. right? You're right, you're right. Because it's on the guest side. But mm -hmm. you as a host can't say, hey, well, I want all of the, I want all of it to be paid today or if I want some of it to be paid. Anyway, it's just a way to stretch the dollar again. Right. So I know for all of our VRBO listings, we have it set up like that to where it's going to charge them half today. And then if it's you know more than 14 days out, it'll charge the other half 14 days before they arrive mm. or even seven days before they arrive. So. Now check this out, Mike Brown. I've been I've been dying to ask you this. I'm glad you're on the podcast today, so I can ask you in front of all these people that are listening oh, in their car or doing what they're doing. Um, I'm ready for this. <laughs> it's not <laughs> not that kind of question. Um, so you had mentioned, okay, the the band is coming to Dallas, and this could be any town that a band is coming to, and most of the time they want to get rid of it out of residential, right? And a lot of times the cities will leave it in some in multifamilies, you know, even if they're pretty strict, they'll still let multifamily do it to extent to an extent. So you said something like, you know, here's a good strategy. If you have multiple units at one complex, rent them out two or three, you know, together, which will kind of make like a makeshift house because all those people are going to be losing their their stays, you know, because of the ban. And then they'll go book your three unit, you know, together to make it a house. But I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. But a lot of a lot of times people get value out of running a house because they're spending like, you know, two hundred dollars a night for a house, two fifty. I know they go way up. I know they go down too. But I'm just saying, you can you can get a house in Dallas for around, you know, two hundred bucks. I'm saying. But and that's a three bedroom house. They're gonna put all the family in. But if they're gonna rent three of my one bedroom condos. I I want to get like a hundred bucks a night for my one bedroom condos. How how does that make sense financially for me to turn those into a house where people were going to pay less at a house anyways? You know, I can't sit there and charge three hundred dollars. I'm getting into a competition with well, they'll just like oh, we'll just get a hotel and we'll get the hotel rooms side by side. You know what I'm saying? So why would they choose me over that hotel? You know, plus I'd have to drop my price to two hundred for these three things together to compete with what they might have been leaving behind. And I don't know. How does that it looks good on paper and I and we have a few units that we tried that at before. It's never really it's never worked gangbusters. I maybe you cracked the code for us here Mike Brown. You're on the spot. You're on the spot. Um I see I, I hear what you're saying. Um you know, ideally if those units would have to be 
you know, fairly close to each other if they're in the same complex, um, clearly on the same hallway, but they almost kind of need to be like next door to each other, right? Or across the hall from each other to have that proximity to make it be homey or feel like a home. Um, and you're right. Um, you said you you tried it, but you tried it in a market where there are still homes available to rent. You have not tried it in a market where homes are not available to rent. That's a very different story, right? So yeah. I think that would allow you to escalate that price to where you would want. Yes. So to your point, in a in a in a market where there are homes, you're com you're competing with homes. Yes, it can be very difficult because one, that's going to be more logistics for you too, right? So now you got to give out three smart lock codes. You got to do this and that. And and one of the things that, you know, because I think we've only done this once or twice on one of the townhomes or duplexes we have is to consider, and this is why having a good cleaning team and QAQC team is important, is when you got this one family or two families, however many families sharing these two units or three units, how do you know that they're not bringing stuff from one unit to the other unit and the counts mm -hmm. are off and all that, right? <laughs> and then yeah. when you go back to switch to a, a single stay for somebody in one unit, they're like, there's only two plates in here. Or this is like one glass in here. <laughs> this remote control don't work. Yeah. This is like this is not working for this. So, so that's that's very, very crucial, man. I'm telling you. So that's if you're gonna do that, you need to be spot on with that that clean sweep after it's done to make sure everything's good. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I think it works very well in a market where there are limited, very limited single-family homes or larger spaces. And I'd also say, too, it's hard to compete doing that if all of your apartments only have the minimal capacity for each bedroom. So I'll tell you what I mean. If you only have one bed in a one-bedroom apartment and you try to rent out three of those and say it's a, a three-bedroom house, yeah, you're clearly not going to get the value because you can't get the occupancy numbers that you would otherwise, right? I would say you'd have to have, and I'm not saying just throwing in air mattresses because, you know, people don't you know, say you want to sleep on those. Mm -hmm. I'm saying if, you, if you're going to do that, you probably need to have double beds in one or two of those units, um, kind of like a, a hotel, right? Um, to, to maximize the occupancy because let's just say if you had you know, two of those units with double beds, that's two, four, six, eight, ten people that you could sleep comfortably. And if they if they want to add on two more people, twelve, I mean that's a that's some that's some big numbers, right? Mm. Um so I mean you you could, you know, depending on how nice they are, and that's why it's great to, you know, focus on design and amenities that's there, because now they have access to things that maybe they wouldn't have with a house, right? They had access to a gym access to a pool, right? So those are other amenities you bring to the table that, you know, some houses won't. Hmm. So I can tell you 99% of houses don't have a gym. So, <laughs> so uh, there's that. And then if you're in one of those fancy, you know, um, fancy apartments that has like a movie room or whatever, or uh, a dog run and all this, a game room, all that other stuff. I mean, this I'm not saying the sky is the limit, but you can compete on that level again. And more so in a market that has limited single-family homes funny funny side note mike brown almost hooked us up with the deal of the century getting the getting all like all of our 15 of our dallas units rented out to this company coming to town but it turned out that they all wanted like they all wanted a, a gym they all wanted a gym right our places didn't have gyms 
And we, we even offered, hey, how about we'll pay you for your $10 a month membership for each guy at, at the places, man. Just to... And the thing is, they wanted a gym, but they didn't want to spend more than like, what was it, 18 or 1900 bucks a month. You know what I'm saying? They wanted all the amenities. They wanted a gym, pool, whatever. And they want to spend... have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they want to all stay together, same place, cheap rent, and a gym. And that was the gym was the the deal breaker. The gym, I was like, come on, man, put some That's free weights good. in there to do some push ups, do some pull ups on the. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need a gym. But yeah, yeah, um, weird. And that, that scenario is like, you know, we'll, we'll get you the gym membership, and I'll pay you for every day for every every, every person that goes to the gym. We're gonna have their their card swap. We're gonna know when they go. <laughs> and they're, not, they're not gonna go. Come on. <laughs> They just want to have. They want to have a gym just to say they have a gym. I think maybe ten percent, maybe twenty percent of people actually use it, but it's just like it's just like the normal apartment complexes, right? People mm-hmm. don't use the gyms there. No, There's so many never. people that live in apartments that pay for LA Fitness and Twenty Four Hour Fitness and all this stuff. It's like you have one right there in your building. <laughs> so yeah, it's there's cobwebs at those gyms, man. No one uses those things. It's funny. I used to when I was I was a young whippersnapper. I loved the apartment gym. I get there in the morning before work, bust yeah, out a I good workout. You have to drive anywhere and all that. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome, man. Um, so yeah, that that was a little funny side note. <laughs> uh, I got a bunch of notes here. We we have so much to cover, Mike Brown. We're we're coming up on it though, I think. But but the thing is, yeah, the big news was the Dallas ban being um, injuncted, which I didn't think was going to happen, honestly, because I saw uh, I saw them try to sue. The city of Arlington, I tried to sue this, all these different cities. You know, people have tried lawsuits and the cities have uh, bottomless pockets to pay for the best uh, law firms money can buy, which is from our tax dollars. So they 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 don't they don't get scared when you say you're going to sue them. Um, ah, I, I could choose anything. Let me just uh, I was going to say, um, go ahead. You have I was going to say you, you guys should definitely get Darren back on at some point. While this yeah. is all happening, um, I think it'd be good to get his perspective. I haven't heard from him in a while, but, you know, this this all started with, you know, well, it started before him, but he's the one that kind of threw the gasoline on the whole, you know, process and what they were doing and getting people involved and getting it organized um, in a more cohesive manner. Um, and, you know, I love the work that he was able to do while he was, you know, here working with that was STRA. Um, it, they just t- took it and ran with it from there. So um, anyway, I just love to. I'd love to hear his perspective. But uh, to your point, I mean, you know, I'm sure you guys have posted a link or whatnot. But with the injunction, what that does is it basically delays um, the enforcement of new rules until June of 2024. Um, so th- those that are operating can still operate. Um, before it was actually going to go into effect December 13th, so I, I was mistaken. Uh, December 13th, which would basically wipe out 90% of <laughs> all the listings. Uh, and we and we've seen. I mean, I know you've probably seen it more than I have. You know, the listings that have come offline, and uh, I mean, we've been seeing some some good bookings come through. You know, even November, December, and soul season now, right? Mm. Uh, I I think a lot of people are also you know, for those that started, you know, maybe right after COVID or during COVID or whatnot, um, there's a, a trend, which I'm sure you're aware of, where people are now, especially with the economy and the uncertainty of everything, people are now doing 
they're doing more last minute skates, right? So that lead time is much shorter than what it used to be, even for larger groups, even for groups of 10, 15 people or more, they're booking like a week out or two weeks out. It's, it's pretty rare. Uh, and you can even look at your own data back from last year that people are booking places out, you know, 30 days, 60 days kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, they're just uncertain. Um, you know, now granted, it also depends on what your cancellation policy is, because uh, that will, you know, have people make a decision one way or the other. But um, so two things with that. One, don't discount your prices too much, <laughs> you know, as it gets closer to the day, because people are really antsy, right? You know, when they look at the, the month ahead and they're like, man, only a couple of days are, are full or whatever. Don't panic. Don't panic. Because <laughs> you get a lot of people that want a full calendar on December 1st. And it's like, it's okay. It, it, it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, and they want to, you know, significantly discount. Cause they want some money rather than no money, right? And that's yeah. definitely something you don't want to do. So anyway, I'm just saying in general, um, with that particular strategy, you know, a lot of people are seeing... Um, you know, those last minute stays or whatever. Um, so last man um, standing, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and I would say for those that are trying to do midterm rentals, I mean, that should be your mindset. Um, you don't want to have a full calendar at the first of the month kind of thing. If if you intend on getting a, a large insurance booking for, for, for homes, uh, I would uh, say for, for apartments, it's less likely. I, I don't think we've ever gotten a, an insurance claim for an apartment, even for our two bedrooms. Uh, it's just not comparable because families are typically going to be staying at home and they want an equivalent home, such as they got pets in the yard, all that stuff. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll shut up there. I, I was adjusting my price strategy today. I wanted to go over prices with you uh, um, ah, and rule okay. sets and all that cool stuff. Um, and, and the thing is, and you're right, right? When you said that, I was going to butt in and say, you know, hey, yeah, that is that shit don't work with one bedrooms, man. You don't want to be the last man standing there. Uh, for a, <laughs> And so... But the thing is, I I had I had gone in, you know, uh, when I when I kind of took over the the, the company, hundred percent. I started doing playing around because I was like, okay, I'm the midterm guru in my business, you know. Me and my my partner Manu, we're the midterm guys, so I want to set up this rules, the the all the 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 price lab stuff to very heavy on the you know keeping the long longer bookings away, keeping them out bay, or they have to pay a lot of money, and they have to it's a longer minimum stay. Cause I want to keep the, the the sheets clean in the in the future, so I can land these midterm stays, man. So and I will keep the sheets clean, man. And, and um, and so it worked gangbusters for the houses, cause then they, you know, it wouldn't like people wouldn't, you know, cherry pick far out or whatever, and, and get and keep us from getting these um, midterm stays. And we were make all of our houses were getting these, we were getting midterm bookings, man. It's beautiful. And but the thing is, for the one bedrooms, it was not a good strategy. Not a good strategy. I'd have to do the the thing, like you said, discount, discount, discount the next, you know, one week, two weeks out. Just I'd keep them booked, but it was so much freaking work, you know. And now I've transitioned to doing those where doing the more of the rule set play, you know, that that, that Sean teaches and my buddy uh, George Salas, you know, he teaches um, where you, you do the, you know, they get a discount for if they do two nights, they get like a 35% discount. They do three nights to get a 40%. And it goes up and up into like a week's day and then a month's day, you get like a 65% discount or something. It's to encourage the longer stays. 
and, and fill up the calendars, you know, and have uh, less uh, uh, gaps in between. That that works great for the for the uh, one bedrooms, two bedrooms, because you can't just use the same strategy for the houses, and and, and you know that, and you brought it up, so I'm, I'm glad, and I want to know what your pricing strategy is because you do have a mix a mixed bag. Yeah, so it, it, it varies by the the property type, uh, and what the what the avatar and the goal is, right? So if you've got a house, I mean, basically we use the same uh, strategy for all the single family homes because we do want those to have the opportunity to get a midterm uh, rental uh, insurance person, whoever that is, or even B two B multi month stay by having a calendar that's pretty open in the future, right? Um, and when you think about it, even vice versa, you know, we've had people where other individuals have canceled their stays, right? Um, and they, they need somewhere to stay, right? So if somebody canceled on somebody this upcoming weekend, for whatever reason, maybe they got an insurance client and they, they want to kick them out to get the insurance client to come in. Um, and, you still, <laughs> and you still have your place available. You, you shouldn't have discounted, you know, once you got to the beginning of the week, you shouldn't discount anymore, right? People will try to keep going and going and going until the day before or the day of. And it's like, that's when you want because they don't have anywhere else to go mm. at that point, especially if it's a big group, right? Mm. Um, so those are the kinds of things. So, uh, and so we also have like, an, so we have a, a gradual, because we use Price Labs. I don't know if you guys use Price Labs, right? Yeah, Price Labs. Yeah, so we have a, a, a gradual uh, discount from 14 days out uh, so I think it's like 40% or 50% or something like that. So basically it'll, it'll you know, whatever 14 days will divide 40% discount and each day it'll chip away and get more and more of a discount as it gets closer to the check-in day. And that's uh, for the houses? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and then we have the minimum stay rule set on top of that. So for example, don't quote me on this. I'm just, you know, giving an example. Um, uh, let's just say, you know, 14, well, let's just say uh, 30 days out, you have a three night minimum Then 45 days out, you have a five night minimum. And then, you know, more, more days out than that, you have a seven night minimum. Right. So it mm-hmm. minimizes people trying to book two nights or three nights or whatever that are farther out. So you still have that buffer. Because remember, you, you said it earlier, you know, typically those insurance clients, they want something now. The maximum that they're willing to wait is two weeks that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, otherwise, they're just going to go somewhere else, right? Mm. And find another property that's available next week or something, as opposed to two weeks or three weeks from now, especially in the emergency situations. Um, it's rare because I think we had one person where they they were trying to, they, they had been working with the insurance back and forth. They had some flood damage and some flooring needed to be replaced. Uh, in fact, basically the whole house uh, is, I guess, is varying conditions. Uh, they said they had been going back and forth with the insurance company for like two or three months. I was like, you're just not finding a place to stay? Like, uh, So every situation is different. Um, but usually those people are ready to get out of there you know, immediately so they can get to work, start, so on and so forth. Um, like I was telling you before, the people that are staying with us now, it's been 10 months. It was originally supposed to be th- three months. So four months, four months, it extended and extended again. Um, now to 10 months, uh, it was a living room fire. So you would think contractors can rebuild a living room 
But with fires, it can be very tricky. The smoke damage, definitely, even though the fire doesn't touch the other rooms, the smoke damage could do some bad damage and you got to still replace stuff. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, and, and, and also a part of the, 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 it's not a rule set, but it's something you have to manually do is with the, um, with the, what is it? With, with those, once, once you get an insurance client or a, a midterm state person, period, but more so with the insurance client than, let's just say, a traveling nurse or someone else, you want to automatically, or you have, you have to do it manually, not automatically, but just put it in your standard operating procedures for your VAs or your assistants to go in and switch your all your listings. Obviously, if you're working from a uh, property management system, you want to do it from, the, from that. But if, you're, if you don't have a PMS, you have to go into each listing. So Airbnb, VRBO, switch it to request only. Because you don't want to get somebody to instant book, let's just say a week after they're supposed to leave when the calendar is now open, right? You know, it's blocked off for three or four months and then you get closer, closer, closer. And then somebody books two days or whatever and a random weekend or whatnot. And then the insurance company comes back and say, oh, they need to extend another three months. <laughs> now your calendar is blocked up, right? So at least by switching to request, you have the authority to make that decision depending on how far out it is from from that time frame right mm. um usually for us if it's any more than than um 30 days sorry if it's any yeah if it's any more than 30 days from when the insurance client is going to leave we just say no we can't accommodate um once it, it's a little bit less than that because typically they put in their 30-day notice right then you know it's kind of a gray area um usually you know they're going to extend before 30 days uh at, at the very least maybe 15 days before um but yeah get that uh, urgent, urgent email from the chp <laughs> urgent, yeah, we got urgent one of those today yeah extend. we want to extend <laughs> yes say yes um so um which which actually brings me to another point and we could probably talk more detail about this a little bit later is um do you ever negotiate uh, another rate when they renew most don't um it depends on what you agree to when you initially come on board with them and they sign a lease and all that kind of stuff because you could yeah Uh, especially I, i won't say not to to be greedy but when you think about the 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 timing and the seasonality, mm. so if they're extending and it's summertime, yeah, and you're coming out of winter, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a very different story. So um, you would want to escalate that rate. Um, and sometimes they'll ask. Sometimes they'll say, "Hey, we're just you know doing another month, and it's going to be the same rate." And that's when you got to say, "Wait a minute, you know this is." <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. So it's just something to consider, I think, and a lot of people probably just you know, keep the gravy train going and not to buck the buck the horse, as you would say. So. Yeah, yeah, it depends on how much they're paying you. They're paying you over five thousand a month. You know, you're gonna try to get six from them the next <laughs> when their <laughs> thing is over. I mean, you probably could, but I mean, are you really are you burning some bridges there, like this freaking guy? You know, <laughs> I just I always think that you know, it's a small world. It's a small world. Yeah, it is. You don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we you know, get them we... comfortable and then you snatch the rug off. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Now, what, I, what I've been doing, you know, and I don't know if this is good or not, whatever, it's been working for me, is if it's a three-month stay, you know, insurance claim, I'll either I'll either close off four or five months, you know, just to give myself a bubble, you know, after I'll, I'll close off those those months. And as it gets into the four and five months, you know, then I'll just keep like a one month bubble because it's, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to be out this month. We should be out. You know, I, I'm like, I'm not going to keep two months oh. closed off. I keep like a month closed off just to give a buffer because usually I, I would say. I would say like 85 percent of the time. They extend. will extend at least one month from that three month. You know, it's a miracle when they do leave three months. I'm like, you sure y'all leaving? You know, <laughs> but it's about 85% of that time. They're going to extend for about one month and then extending another month drops that drops down to about 10, 15%. It happens, but it's not, it drops significantly. You know, um, we, usually, we had, yeah. we, we had one time where, uh, I think they extended prematurely, um, uh, they were supposed to be, they gave the notice to vacate. And then a couple of days later, they said, oh, no, they actually need to stay another month. They, you know, signed the lease renewal. They sent the money. And then a week later, they were gone. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what, what's going on? And basically, the, the, for some reason, the, the client or the homeowner didn't communicate well with the insurance company. To say that hey the repairs are done or whatever reason there was some miscommunication somewhere and you know basically we had almost a, a whole month uh, you know i mean they still had to pay it right because you know you, you you put in your notice when you actually cancel so they waited until the week before they left to then put in the notice and by that time you know so i think a lot of them rather be safe than sorry and they'll send the notice to vacate anyway because they they did that to us for the one that just got extended uh just to save themselves so they don't pay for any extra right and then if they need to actually extend they'll come and ask you hey we need to extend a little bit closer towards the end so uh because you know these contractors their schedules are always wonky and they think they're going to be done at this time and they're not so a premature extenuation does happen mike brown as you know firsthand <laughs> um yeah i mean that's that man we talked about some good stuff today i, I was gonna what i was gonna bring up to you um there's so much there's so many different um things i want to ask you mike brown uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of negotiations here's the thing Here's the thing. At, at one of the houses, we just barely got this house, right? This arbitrage over here in Grand Prairie. And it got booked, you know, two months right off the bat. These guys wanted it. You know, we just barely got it finished. And they moved in. Construction crew, whatever. Um, anyways, I'm not liking how I'm dealing with the foreman. I think the foreman is the one that put him up in this place. I'm not really liking the communication and all that. I'm getting paid. I have to meet him up and get paid in cash because he wants to pay me in cash for some reason. I don't understand why he wouldn't want to document that he's paying for rent for, you know, whatever, whatever reason he's giving me cash. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. And so um, then the, the checkout day was um, this, this past week. Um, it's supposed to be on the fourth, right? I'm supposed to check out on the fourth. I even texted him that morning just to be sure. I mean, we, we put the bookings inside of, of hospitable manually, you know what I'm saying? Direct bookings. 
and it's mm-hmm. supposed to send him an email and he gets all the all the confirmation all the oh, stuff yeah. whatever and um but i still wanted because just the way this guy's been communicating i went ahead and sent him a text in the morning hey man you know just to, you know i know it's checkout day you know our cleaners will be there at 11 just letting you know you know thank you for staying with us um and he said te- he texted back he said oh they left last night i was like <laughs> okay cool you know that's no big deal that happens all the time right whatever <clears throat> excuse me but um so my cleaner got there well she got you know i said well they, they left already she had a she had a full day but she was gonna get there around you know 12 or 1 or whatever and she gets there and she said hey there's two cars still here out out in the driveway i'm like what and hmm. so i shouldn't be anybody there they said they left last night i was like i called up the dude he answered hey hello i'm like hey man this is steven at, at the at the house uh, that you're renting uh, and he's like, uh, okay. I'm like, yeah, you, you said your guys left last night. There's two cars in the driveway. He goes, oh, the, oh, the Grand Prairie house. Like he didn't even know who the hell I was. Right. I'm like, yeah, I texted you this morning. You said that they left last night. And he's like, oh, I thought that was, uh, someone was texting about, cause I have some guys staying at some hotels and I thought it was the hotel texting me or the whatever. Cause I didn't, I don't have your number saved on my phone. What the? <laughs> he's like, he's like, yeah, they, they didn't tell you they they want to go ahead and extend for another month. And but here's the thing, I already got another booking coming in, like in, in about ten days, right? Dinner. <laughs> Hold on. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, and and so I was like, well, they can't extend. I already got another booking coming in. He goes, when are they coming? When is the next booking coming in? And I told him. <clears throat> and so um. He said, well, can they extend out to that time? Do you have anything else they can go to after that? I was just frustrated working with this guy, right? I said, well, they can extend out for this amount of time. It's going to be 1500 bucks. You know, I, I raised I, I raised the price. I said, or they got to leave right now. And he's like, "And or you got to find hotel rooms, whatever you got to do. And he's like, "Uh, okay, yeah, I'll go ahead and, yeah, I can get you the 1500 today. I can meet you, blah, blah, blah. And so that in that scenario, I wasn't going to negotiate. I was like, I raised the price significantly for these few days. They got to extend. And I went, you know, grab my money, you know, whatever. They, they're able to they extend out a little bit. And he asked about this other place that I had, you know, in, in Grand Prairie. And I was like I said, I'm in a position of I don't really want to deal with them. If they want to stay, it's going to be on my terms. And it felt good to be um, negotiating from a point of power for a change. You know what I'm saying? Where instead of, oh, I hope I get this book, you know, I hope this, you know, CHP calls well, me back. I think it goes down to, you know, like many hosts, they don't know their value. Exactly. Right? Or the value of their place. And and yes, to your point, it, it all depends on circumstance, right? So yeah. conditions and whatnot. In this place, in this case, it lined up perfectly to, to be able to execute on that. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... You so know, I had, scenarios, you can't have people run over you like that because no. they'll do it again, right? Here's so, the funny part. <laughs> I said, I said, I did. I do have a place that they can go to right after this stay, and they can stay there all the way to the 21st or whatever you needed, you know. But we have someone coming in, so they can stay there for that part of time. But I said that place we rent for five thousand a month, and it's going to be that rate, and so it's going to be this much money. I think it, it came out to like thirteen hundred dollars, right? And he's like, uh, we'll give you a thousand. Like, I was like, really, mother freaker? You gonna negotiate with me here? I was like, no, sorry, man. And I knew he's got six guys, right? He's got six guys. 
I said, I said, not, you know, we can't do that. Sorry about that, man. It, that that brings the rate to like 125 a night. I mean, I'm sure you could find, I mean, if you could find a house out there for 125, that's great. But otherwise, you know, good luck and, you know, hope you find up some hotels, you know? <laughs> and so, um, sorry, my throat. But, but like um, 150, that's going to be like 200 a night minimum. I mean, unless they're going to be at a shack somewhere because. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Six guys, that's at least three three rooms, right? You can't put six guys in one room, in one hotel room. And so, and so, anyways, I knew I was in a position of power. I wasn't budgeting for him. I said, it's 1300 bucks for these few days. You got to stay there. And I, I texted, he didn't say nothing. I texted back today. So, are they going to do this or what? I got to block the days or what? He said, yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. And so, I was like, he wanted, all he think he went and said, oh, we'll do 1150. Everybody's happy. Well, 1150 and we'll cut the difference, split the difference. How's that? I was like, no, nah, dude, we can't do that. It's 1300. Can you do it or not? He's like, yeah, okay, I can do 1300. I was like, man. It's good. Hey, you need to be charging an extra to, to go and pick up this cash, man. <laughs> That's a good point, too. There's a, there's a trip fee if we're, <laughs> if we're taking cash money. We, we live in the digital age. We got a lot of options. We got Zelle. We got you know Stripe, <laughs> Cash App, PayPal. You name it. It is like, cool to feel like an extra fee if you want to pay cash. It is cool to feel like a pimp for a few minutes until you put her in the bank. I don't know. There's that. So I need to to put my bodyguard and retainer so I can, you know, make sure <laughs> I'm good at the pickup point, you know? And when I leave. <laughs> yeah, I don't get, you know, jumped around the corner. Yeah. Yeah, no, really, no. So no, it, Some it, people it, don't do that. I mean, it's, it's a safety thing, right? No, it no. is a safety thing. And it's funny. Same thing with this guy. When when I was going to go meet these guys that were checking into the house, you know, on and they happened to be at night because they worked all day. And the, he he gave them the money to deliver to me in Grand Prairie. I told my buddy in Grand Prairie if he could meet me out there. And he said, "Okay, what which gun do I need to bring?" And I was like, "I was like, just show uh, up, just to, just to show that someone's there with me." You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he showed up, and he, they were real cool. He was cool with them. My buddy's an outgoing guy, David Law. You met you met David. Oh Law. yeah, yeah, yeah. The white dude. Yeah, yeah. And so and and anyways, that whole night, you know, I got the money and I was leaving, and he was leaving. He, he was making the guys laugh. You know how David is. And he's like, oh, by the way, guys, and he pulled it, he pulled a case out of his car. He goes, he goes, a good thing you guys are good, because I, I wouldn't have to use this. And he opened it up and it was a freaking gun. And oh, they're wow. like, whoa, but they were like, how cool, man. What kind of gun? And they weren't they weren't freaked out. But I was like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, he did, he did bring a gun. But anyways, yeah, fast times and in um short-term rentals, baby. Short-term, midterm rentals. That's what we do. Thank you for hopping on, Mike Brown. You got any closing thoughts for us? What can you tell these lovely listeners out there? Oh, man, I would say, you know, with the changing industries uh, within short term rental, mid term rentals is, you know, always be like a business, uh, always be ready to pivot, be agile, nimble, flexible, whatever you want to call it, uh, and can always be learning. Right. There, I, I cannot tell you there's not a day that goes by where I do not learn something, do not <laughs> not learn something new about short term rentals. Like it's, it's limitless. It literally is limitless. So don't think that you know it all. Don't think that you have all the answers because uh, you probably don't. Um, and just, you know, lean on other people, uh, create a network like we've done with our, our group and our people uh, to, to, to do the referrals that we talked about, to share knowledge, uh, connect at meetups, you know, locally, all that kind of stuff, um, you know, and just educate others. So. Because as I mentioned before, and I'll keep saying it again, 
you know, people that are not properly educated. Because uh, I'm, I'm mentoring somebody now, actually, that's trying to get started. Uh, get started actually here in Dallas, by the way. So, you know, I got to take them a couple of steps back, you know, and say, well, let's take a look at, you know, the market research and all this stuff. And it's all, you know, before you just make a decision that, hey, everybody else is in Dallas or, or I'm in Dallas, let's do it in Dallas. Um, is uh, I said time, time before is, you know, anybody that's not educated properly is a liability to themselves and a liability to everybody else in the industry. Mm. Uh, that lack of knowledge is going to make them do something that they should not do. Um, that could, you know, put, you know, them at risk, their guests at risk, so on and so forth, and or put a bad taste in other people's mouths around the perspective of short-term rentals, right? Because mm. of what they did wrong, they allowed a party to happen, or you know, somebody got hurt or shot or whatever that is. Uh, and not saying we can't prevent everything, but you know, there's a lot of information out there that can help. Can you know, a lot of stuff can be prevented. Right. So I'll leave it at that. And uh, definitely <laughs> appreciate you bringing me on. Always enjoy this. Uh, sorry that Micah couldn't make it today. But. Where can people find you, Mike Brown, to chat? He's, he loves to chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm in most of the, the short-term rental groups on Facebook. Um, you know, you can also find this uh, on, on PBD um, online or PBD stays on our Instagram. Um, yeah. And, you know, one of the other things we're doing now, too, is helping other operators uh, expand their reach, especially on the direct booking side, uh, not by making websites, because, uh, you know, anybody can do a website. Most people probably already have websites, uh, but it's using social media to drive traffic uh, for bookings and creating a brand. Because ultimately, like you mentioned earlier, you know, getting over that trust factor, you have to have a brand and brand recognition, even if it's in your local market. I'm not saying you need to be Walmart or McDonald's or anything like that, um, helping them achieve that. So, um, yeah, I'll to share more on that on the next one. Sweet. Good touching base with you, Mike Brown. Find us at live, let thrive, uh, com. live, let thrive at gmail.com. Live all the live, let thrive emails, whatever they are, uh, <laughs> <laughs> at live, let thrive for, uh, the, all the social media stuff. Hey, hit me up, man. I'm around Argest rentals, A R G E S T rentals.com. Argest is the largest. And thank y'all for listening. We love you all. And we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.